Hello, everyone. My name is Mary, and you're listening to Prologues. Hello, girls. And the 2% of Prologues listeners who are men. And I guess the less than 1% of Prologues listeners who are non-binary. Everyone is welcome here. How are we doing? I'm recording this on the last day of September. October starts tomorrow. I am feeling a lot of things. The last, I think it's four years in a row, I have had absolutely colossal mental breakdowns during October. That happens four years in a row. I feel a little worried because I can't help but think, okay, is there something in the month of October? Is it triggering something subconsciously? Is it just a hard time of year for me for whatever reason? I don't think it is because October is one of my favorite months of the entire year. October, November, December, that's like high point of the year for me. So why do I always just have really bad mental health in the month of October? I don't know. I feel like that's something I need to unpack. But I'm determined this year to have a good one. Bit of a rough start, though, because my allergies have been just horrible this past week. So that's the energy I'm bringing into October, which I don't love. But I have really, really bad seasonal allergies. I never did growing up. But as soon as I moved away when I was 18, I guess my body was fine with the plants surrounding my home and in my hometown. And then as soon as I moved away, my body was like, okay, well, we hate these plants. Can't do it. I have awful seasonal allergies. I frequently will get sinus infections and I've even gotten bronchitis before when my allergies have gotten really bad and complicated. So I'm being very proactive. I'm doing as many preventative things as I can. The air purifier is roaring every day. Every time I go outside, I'm trying to wash my hair to get pollen out of my hair. I'm immediately putting clothes that I've worn outside in the wash to try to get pollen out. I'm really trying my best. I'm taking all my supplements, all my vitamins. I'm scared. I'm scared, you guys. But I'm excited for fall. Because fall is really kicking off, and for once in Virginia, the weather is acting like fall, I've seen a lot of people talk about feeling apprehensive because they're worried about their seasonal depression. A lot of people get seasonal depression in the wintertime. I don't. I get it in the summertime. Winter is like the best time ever. But it got me thinking about For a lot of people, they're going into this season feeling the same feelings of dread that I get when summer starts and got me thinking about things I do year round that help me feel good on a day to day basis. And I'm such a strong believer in romanticizing your life. I take it so seriously. I am very intentional about it. I think romanticizing your life makes life better. And I've gotten asked in the past, how do you do that? How do you actually do that? So I wanted to record an episode today and give my accessible, actionable, realistic tips for romanticizing your life. And I wanted them to all be either free or cheap and something that everybody can do. I want everybody to be romanticizing their life. So that's going to be today's episode. I'm excited to get into it. But first, I just want to provide some life updates. We'll do a little culture club, a little recent favorites. Some of you guys were talking about how you missed culture club last week, which is super nice. Let's just do that first. Life updates. I'm not doing amazing lately. I'm not sure what's going on. I did forget my mood stabilizer for three straight days last week, and that's enough time that it unsettles me, destabilizes me. I'm back on it now. I honestly just forgot. I don't know why I did that. Like Taking my meds every single day is such a part of my daily routine. I have no idea why I forgot for three straight days, but it definitely 
knocked me down a little bit and I feel like it's now taken me a week and a half to recover from those three days and I still haven't recovered. I feel like the allergies are also not helping because I just feel physically exhausted all the time, which doesn't like that's not helping at all. But yeah, I'm just not doing amazing. And I thought I would be upfront and candid about that with you guys because prologues is all about vulnerability. And again, I'm worried that this is going to turn into an October meltdown, which I'm determined not to have. But maybe I'm jinxing myself by being determined not to have it. Maybe I'm bringing it down on myself. I'm not sure. Yeah, not doing amazing. I have spent a lot of time in therapy just sobbing. I spent a lot of time in my day-to-day just crying my eyes out for various reasons. I feel like I have suppressed some things this year that have happened to me or happened in my life or observed, and now they're all demanding to be felt. And I'm a little disappointed in myself for not processing these things as they happened, but I also sometimes feel like you can't help it. My therapist was telling me the other day, it's not unusual to need a lot of time to process an event before you can really come to terms with it. And I think that's what I'm going through. But a lot of things are now demanding to be felt. And boy, am I feeling them. And I'm not doing amazing. But I also know that everything in life is seasonal and cyclical. And this will pass as well. I think I'm just in a season with some more obstacles. But I'm going to get through them. I know I'm going to get through them because I've always gotten through these seasons of life before. So I have a way 100% perfect track record of getting through hard times. And this time will be no different. But that's how I've been doing personally. Work is actually going really well, you guys. I'm so excited about some of the upcoming projects. I told you guys I dropped a little little tease at the end of a recent episode and I let you guys know I'm actually coming out with podcast merchandise this fall. The designs are looking so good. We've ordered some production samples. I'm going to preview those, wear them, just feel it out, make sure I'm really proud of the product, and then we're going to go ahead and release them sometime this fall. I'm so excited. That's been great. I have another project that's going to come out sometimes around the holidays. I can't tell you what it is yet. It's a collaboration. Oh, I'm already saying too much. I'm really, really excited. Sometime around the holidays, be on the lookout for that. It's another thing that I have a really hands-on role in like I'm working on a design and it's it's like my brainchild and I'm so closely connected to it and it's all it's like so me I'm putting a lot of myself into it and I'm really excited about it and proud of it so that's coming soon and then I've just been feeling good about everything related to work and that's been nice Fergus is doing really well. He's getting so big, you guys. He gained one pound the first week he was home, two pounds the second week. And this past week, he gained four pounds. So he's doubling his growth every single week. It's like my mom described it as logarithmic, which made me laugh. He's going to be such a big dog. And it's kind of sad seeing him grow so fast. He's already like three times the size visually of when he came home and his face and his body are transforming from like cute little chubby puppy into actual muscly, you know, adult dog shape. And it's kind of sad, but it's also really fun. The older he gets, like the longer we can take him out. The veterinarian cleared him now that he has enough shots, he can go out for walks. And so it's been so amazing seeing him discover the world for the first time. And I think we're going to take him on his first like pet store trip this weekend and let him pick out some toys for the first time. And we want to take him to the park. And next weekend, we're going home to my parents' house and he's going to get to run around the yard. 
I'm so excited. He is doing really well with potty training. He's perfect with his crate training now. And I'm also taking him to a puppy party this upcoming week because I want him to socialize more with other dogs. We unfortunately don't have any friends who have dogs yet. So I found this obedience school in the area that offers weekly, they're called puppy parties, and it's for puppies between the ages of 9 and 14 weeks after they're vaccinated, of course, and they can go and socialize with other puppies the same age, and it's all moderated by trainers and everything. So we're going to try that out and see if he likes it. He gets really excited to meet dogs when we're on walks, but because he's so young, he's still learning manners, social manners. And so I think this will be really good for him. So we're going to try that out. I'm also officially going back to Scotland for New Year's Eve, which I'm so excited about. I've really been missing Scotland lately, which I think is a good thing because as I've said on the pod before, we are actively planning our move there next year. So I think it's a great sign that I really miss it. I think that means I'm going to settle in and be happy there. It's just another feeling of alignment and I talked about it a lot in the How to Trust Your Intuition episode and the We Need to Debrief episode, but it just feels reassuring that I'm missing it and I'm really excited for our New Year's Eve plans. We've gotten this really big Airbnb and we're going with Matt's entire friend group who we hung out with in Edinburgh and again in Aberdeen. And I just think it's going to be fun. We're going to be there for three nights. It's a big Airbnb kind of in the middle of nowhere and there's a hot tub and there's beautiful views and I think it's just going to be three days games and laughing and cooking with a big friend group and getting drunk in a hot tub and like all of that. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so let's do a little quick culture club. Biggest thing that must be mentioned that's happened in social culture recently, I, like many of you, absolutely lost my goddamn mind when I saw Taylor Swift attend the Chiefs game with Travis Kelsey last week. Lost my mind. Stayed up so late and got up early the next morning giggling and kicking my feet looking at the TikToks, the memes, the tweets about this up like this developing relationship or maybe the relationship has already happened and we're just learning about it now. I am so happy for her. I never saw this coming and now I think it's perfect. This is my royal couple. This is going to be my royal wedding. I've never gotten that into celebrity couples because obviously we don't know these people. I did feel a little bummed for Sophie Turner when Joe Jonas started doing all of that PR slander. Like I felt a little bummed for her, but I've never gotten crazy invested. And then I saw Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey together and I was like, oh my God, the most beautiful all-American couple I've ever seen. So I'm really rooting for that. Another big thing that happened this week for me was I attended the Hozier concert at the Anthem on the Wharf in DC. I've been a massive Hozier fan since 2013. Massive, massive, massive. I've never enjoyed it more. I've never really liked an artist more. There's maybe two other artists in the world that I've liked for that long. Hozier has been a number one for me for so long. This was my first time seeing him live and it was one of the best concerts I've ever, ever, ever been to. I loved everything about it. The visuals, the stage production, him. It meant so much to me. And I think I've never been more emotional at a concert than I was at that one. And I listen to Hozier all the time, but I feel like every time you leave a concert of an artist you love, you just feel inspired to listen to them constantly in the days afterwards. So I've just really can't play anything else. I can't listen to anything else. And I just love Hozier so much, you guys. And I do officially love Unreal Unearth. I told you guys like a month ago that I needed more time to figure out how I felt about the album. I do 
love it now. I think seeing it live really solidified my love for it in my mind. So incredible. Okay, so I want to get into how to romanticize your life in a realistic way. This is so important to me. To me, romanticizing your life is about finding small moments every single day that make every day feel special and meaningful and important. And I'm not saying that in order to romanticize your life, every day has to be the best day ever because that's not realistic. Some days are just filler days. They're filler episodes. But you can still find small moments that brighten your mood and that made the day feel worth it. I saw a quote one time that I really like. I don't know who it's by. If you know, please let me know. But I saw this quote that said, happiness is realizing that small moments mean just as much as big moments. To me, that is the core concept behind romanticizing your life. And I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding the idea of romanticizing your life. I feel like some people think it's impossible to do that if you have mental illness. I feel like people think romanticizing just means being to Lulu. And that's definitely not true. If I'm giving you guys a recommendation for something, you know that it's possible to do it if you have bad mental health because I am the craziest bitch I know. I have not been mentally healthy for the last like 13 years. In fact, I've more often than not been very mentally unhealthy. So if I can do it, I know that you can do it. And I know that everyone can do at least some of these tips. I actually think romanticizing your life is even more critical if you do struggle with mental illness. Because when I'm going through a depressive episode, the days really run together and they all feel meaningless and unimportant. And that makes me feel like life is meaningless and unimportant, which is a bad place to be. Romanticizing my life has helped me be mindful and be grateful and just appreciate the life that I was given, the life that I've worked to build for myself. I think this concept is all about slowing down noticing the good things in your life, appreciating everything, and just acknowledging that we all play a part in our own happiness. That is an unpopular opinion. I think that might be a controversial take. And obviously, we all have to deal with the hand that life has dealt us. Everyone has circumstances in their life beyond their control that affect their mood, affect their well-being, affect their happiness. I'm not saying it's your job to make your life perfect. That's not fair. But we do all play a role in our happiness, and I strongly believe that. And yes, that includes all of us who are mentally ill. I think if you struggle with mental illness, it is your responsibility to deal with it. And that can look like different things for different people. Maybe for you, that means therapy. Maybe it means meds. Maybe it just means developing healthy coping strategies or putting extra effort into your interpersonal relationships. But whatever it means, I think we all need to take responsibility for the way that we interact with the world, the way we treat other people, and the way we treat ourselves. And that's very hard to do sometimes. Like, trust me, I'm not fussing at anybody. It's really hard to do. But I think it's immature, almost, to act like you have no responsibility over your own happiness. Romanticizing my life has helped me take responsibility. And it actually works. Like, I wouldn't be advocating for this with you guys if it didn't actually work. 
Like I said, I'm bipolar. I have OCD. I really struggle. Like I've really, really gone through periods in my life where I have been at rock bottom. So if that's where you're at, I know how you feel. And I promise you that doing things like this helps because it makes every day feel a little bit more meaningful. And sometimes when you're at that rock bottom, you need to find ways to make life seem worth it. So bearing all of that in mind, this is my guide. These are my tips. I have a little list and these are all real things that you can do every day or almost every day to help. So romanticizing your life 101. Let's go. Number one, keeping fresh flowers in the house. This makes life feel beautiful and romantic every single time. I also think it's good for people, especially people who struggle with mental illness, to have plants nearby, even if they're not live growing plants, like even if they're flowers that have been cut from the stem. I think having the colors and having this living thing nearby is beautiful. Flowers don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be fancy. You can get flowers for $3 at Trader Joe's. You can pick flowers off the side of the road. I've done both of those things and I love it. I feel like my mood improves when I have fresh flowers in my house. It's just this reminder that there's this whole world out there that is going on no matter what. It'll go on without you. It doesn't rely on your mood. Like no matter how down I am, no matter how bad things get, the sun comes up every day, the flowers are still blooming, the rain will continue to fall, and the world will go on and I will find a way to go on with it. That might sound like overthinking having flowers in your house. To me, it isn't. To me, it's something that genuinely reminds me there's a world out there that's going on without me and everything is going to be okay even dandelions. Like it doesn't have to be a huge expensive bouquet. It just has to be flowers. And I think the colors are helpful. They smell nice and that makes you feel good. And I think flowers are romantic. I also love the process of going to get them. Like I love taking myself outside, going on a little walk to my neighborhood Trader Joe's, picking out the flower. Maybe I'm listening to my favorite music while I'm doing all of this, coming home, cutting the stems, filling up the vase, arranging them to look nice, and then fussing over where to put them in the house. I love the whole process because it's something I'm doing for myself and for my happiness, and it's slow. And that's another common theme in this episode, as in many of my episodes. I think one of the best things that we can all do for ourselves is to slow down and appreciate these little moments. Next on the list is reading. It doesn't have to be a complicated book. I mean, it could be if you want. It doesn't have to be nonfiction or something boring. It doesn't have to be self-help if you feel like that's annoying. It can be anything you want. It can be a $4 paperback that is smutty historical romance. God knows I love one of those. It can be a self-help book. It can be a philosophical book. It can be like a biography book about your favorite actor or celebrity. It doesn't have to even be a book. It could just be articles online think pieces, the newspaper, magazines. It doesn't matter. I think reading is something that is so good for your brain and your soul. I think it's good because it gets us off of our phones. I guess if you're reading articles online, that's not getting you off of your phone. But for the most part, it gets you off your phone. It centers you in the real world. It's also a great way to learn something. Not every book has to be this super dense, technical, educational piece of literature in order for you to learn something from it. I think you can learn something from most things in the world if you're paying attention to it. It's also something that makes you feel good about yourself. 
Reading makes me feel better about myself than sitting down and watching TV. It feels more productive, even when it genuinely isn't. Like, even if I'm just reading purely for entertainment, I'm talking like TikTok recommendations, fairies at war with each other with lots of sex scenes, like stuff that is not really doing a whole lot for my mind. I think there are still little things you can learn from it. And it feels more productive than sitting down and watching TV, even when it's still pure entertainment. But if you feel good about it, then that's all that matters, right? I also do love learning with the goal of improving my vocabulary, expanding my mind, or learning. I was an English major in school, and for a couple years out of school, I really didn't enjoy reading the classics or reading anything written before the year, like, 1980. I think I just got burned out with it during school, and I couldn't handle it for a little while. But enough time has passed now that I really enjoy it again. I'm restarting some of the classics, some of my old, tattered, beaten-up penguin classics. And it feels good. I feel like reading older books now is connecting me to a time outside of the modern world, which causes me a lot of unnecessary stress and anxiety every single day of my life. <laughs> reading older books, like reading the canon again, I think it just feels nice to remember that life didn't always used to be like this for people. And Maybe there's a future where it won't look like this again. Maybe there's going to be a future where people don't have raging phone addictions. Maybe there's going to be a future where we don't have scary pipelines existing on popular social media apps that suck in teenage kids. Maybe we'll have a future like that one day. I don't know. But when I get really down about the way the world is right now, it just helps me to remember it didn't always used to be like that. Reading helps me feel like that. Reading is also a very cheap or can be free hobby. Depending on where you live, there's those neighborhood libraries. I've seen those in the last like three places I've lived. In neighborhoods, there are these little houses on poles. They kind of look like giant birdhouses and they're filled with books. And it's like, you can take one, you can leave one. They're called neighborhood libraries. That I think does require you to live in certain places, but I have seen them in the last three places I've lived. So if you do live in a neighborhood, maybe that's worth giving a little Google, having a little walk around. Also, library cards are free. And if you don't have immediate access to a library, the Libby app is free, so you can get a library card and then access reading materials through the Libby app. So you don't have to spend a ton of money because books are expensive, but there's a lot of ways to get them that are completely free. So that's another reason why I think reading is a great way to romanticize your life. The next one is using wine and champagne glasses for non-alcoholic drinks, for everyday drinks. You guys know I love doing this. I love doing it with poppy, kombucha, soda. I just like to pour drinks into champagne flutes, especially fizzy drinks. Because why not? Why do we have dishes that are only meant to be used with certain things that we can't enjoy every day? Drinking a soda or a poppy or something out of a champagne flute feels fancy. It feels elevated. It feels a little ooh-la-la. And if I can give myself that feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, why not? Like, what am I waiting for? It feels so nice. I've even seen people put their coffee, like their iced coffee into a wine glass, ice cubes, creamer, oat milk, coffee and all, which I think I don't really drink coffee, so I've never tried that. But I love the concept. I love the way picking up a stemmed glass makes you feel. It feels a little elegant. It takes an everyday moment, like having a beverage, 
and it makes it feel a little extra. And that's the whole point of romanticizing your life. It all revolves around that. This also goes into my next tip, which is using your good stuff. Don't wait to drink champagne before using the champagne flutes. You don't have to wait for a special occasion that might not ever come in order to wear that dress you've been saving at the back of your closet. You don't have to be afraid to burn the nice candle or spray the nice perfume or put the sticker on a notebook or actually write in that special notebook. How many times in your life, I know this because I've done it a zillion times in my life, have you gotten a fancy, like beautiful looking journal or notebook and then you haven't used it because you feel like you have to come up with a really great purpose for the entire book in order to start writing in it. Like there have been times where I've gotten a beautiful notebook and I don't start using it for something because I feel like I need to use it for something really, really important. That's not true. You can use it for a to-do list one day, a journal entry the next day, a doodle the day after that, and it's fine. You don't have to have a really big, colossal, important reason to use your nice stuff. I'm not saying waste things. I know with something like an expensive perfume, it does make a little bit more sense to save it for a special occasion because you want to make it last. But who's to say that everyday things don't have to be special? Like, you don't have to save it just for going to a party or going to a wedding. You can also use it on a date night. You can also use it on a day that you just feel really beautiful. There are so many more special moments in life than I think we allow ourselves to recognize. And the point of this tip is just to not wait for something that might not ever come. It feels good to dress up. It feels great to pull out that beautiful piece of clothing and you haven't worn it yet. Maybe you bought it and you were like, this would be great for a party or this would be great for, you know, such and such. And then that day never came and then you've never worn it, but you really want to. You don't need a reason. You don't need an excuse. You can do whatever you want. You can put it on today and go out and run your errands in it and feel beautiful. So you don't have to wait. This is romanticizing your life is all about every moment can be special. Every moment doesn't have to be special. You should never feel bad for allowing yourself to sit in negative or uncomfortable feelings. You should never, ever feel guilty for having a bad mental health moment or an off day. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there's no reason to not make everyday life a little bit more special when you're in the position to be able to. So stop saving your good stuff for a day that might not ever come. Put it to use right now. I want you to have your next soda in a wine glass. I want you to wear that special outfit next time you leave the house. I want you to actually take out that stack of stickers that you've been collecting that you're too afraid to put on something because then you can't use the sticker anywhere else and just put it somewhere. Putting the sticker somewhere is going to make you so much happier than shoving it in a drawer and never using it because you're afraid to use it up. That doesn't make any sense. Use it, look at it, feel happy. Okay, another small thing is cutting up fruit instead of eating it whole. I don't know why I felt really called to add this to the list. I think it's just something that I do while I'm romanticizing my life. I'm not sure why. I think eating fruit in general makes me feel good and makes me feel bougie almost. But cutting up the fruit beforehand, it's like an extra 45 seconds of something special I'm doing for myself to add a little luxury to an everyday experience. And that, I don't know, maybe this doesn't make sense at all. I feel like cut up fruit is just nice. I just feel like it's a little luxury, an everyday luxury that makes you feel fancy. So I love cutting up my fruit and I think everyone should start doing it. 
Okay, next thing kind of goes along with that. Savor every single bite of something instead of eating absentmindedly. And for me, this really looks like eating without my phone or without the TV on, which I'm bad at doing. I eat absentmindedly pretty often. I eat breakfast and lunch usually while I'm on my phone. I'm either on social media or I'm just answering emails or something, but I'm not really paying attention to the food I'm eating because I'm not taking a break. I'm just eating along the way during the course of my day. And then for dinner, Matt and I are usually sitting down to eat dinner kind of later in the evening, and that's when we put show on or something. But when I take the time to just be focused on the meal, like if Matt and I say, okay, tonight we're not going to watch TV while we're eating, we just sit at our table and we just focus on the conversation. Or when I'm having lunch and instead of scrolling on my phone or something, I'm just paying attention to what's going on around me. Even just sitting and thinking, like not even looking at anything or talking to anybody, just thinking and being alone with my thoughts. It feels special. Every, all of these things just feel a little special because I think it's taking you out of the everyday mindset. I think it's forcing you to pause and get out of the rut. I feel like most of my days follow a really similar structure. And so they're kind of monotone almost. I live a lot of my days on autopilot. Anything I can do to zap me out of that autopilot feeling works. And part of that is taking a moment to disconnect. And I also think when you savor every single bite of what you're eating, the food feels so much more special and it tastes more delicious. Really think, especially if you've cooked, really think about everything you're putting into your body. Enjoy it. Feel grateful for how nice it tastes and how happy you are to be eating it. I think pausing and savoring your food is a huge part of romanticizing your life. Another thing is gratitude lists. I write these pretty frequently. Honestly, most days I try to sit down and write a gratitude list. This one helps me get into the correct frame of mind to start manifestation practices. But two, it just makes me feel better about my day to day. I think the easiest way to do this is to sit down, grab that special journal or notebook that you've been saving for something, and just write at the top of a page, I am so grateful for, colon, and then write a list. I'm so grateful for my job. I am so grateful for my partner. I am so grateful for the apartment I live in. I'm so grateful for a family that loves me and supports me and friends who understand me and who show up to be in my life. I am so grateful for the warm socks that I'm wearing, the kombucha that I'm drinking right now, I am so grateful to be in charge of my own schedule. I'm listing things for myself right now. I am so grateful that my bed is the coziest bed on earth. I am so grateful that I have access to a gym. I am so grateful that I live in a walkable area. I am so grateful that Fergus is settling into our home and becoming such an important part of our lives. I am so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful for the community that we've all built together. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have a social media platform. I am so grateful for this job. I'm so grateful for my team. I'm so grateful for the time I spent with my friends last night. It really made me feel seen and loved. I could go on and on. It is impossible to sit down and write a gratitude list without feeling happy afterwards, I think, or at least without feeling this growing sense of contentment. When you sit down and you start listing things, no matter how small they are, you realize that 
there are more good things in life than we allow ourselves to think about most of the time. Again, everyone goes through different struggles and everyone's journeys are different. Not everyone has the same experiences, but there are little things in life that are so worth being thankful for. Whether it's the love of the people around you or whether it's your favorite blanket that's covering you right now, there's so much to be thankful for. And when you get into the habit of practicing gratitude, it becomes easier and easier to identify what you're grateful for. The first time you sit down and you write out a list, you might struggle because you might genuinely be going through some shit. And it's hard to think about things that are good, things that you're thankful for when you're going through some shit. The first time might be really hard. You might be trying to think of only big things. I feel like that's a common mistake people fall into. They feel like they have to list really big things, but you don't. You can list small things. The next time you do it, it's going to be easier. The next time it's going to be easier. It's really easy for me at this point to sit down and write a gratitude list because I'm used to it. I've practiced that thankfulness muscle and it's strong now. And sometimes when I am feeling down or I'm feeling sad. Again, I'm not talking about like full-blown mental health episode, which at times can be be beyond your control, but I'm just talking about like a down day. I sit down, I write that gratitude list and I look up and I'm like, you know what? Things aren't so bad. Like I can get through this. I can get through whatever it is that's causing me to feel upset because look at all these things I am thankful for. You're always allowed to sit in your unhappy feelings, like just because there are things to be grateful for, doesn't mean you have to force yourself to be happy if you're not. Like, I think that's a really, that's like toxic positivity and I'm not about that. But I do think everyone can sit down and write down a couple things that they're grateful for. And this will genuinely make you feel better and it will improve your mood for the rest of the entire day. Another one is to take more pictures of everyday things. I discovered this one on accident because obviously I'm an influencer and I take pictures and post pictures of a lot of stuff. I realized along the way, it feels nice to do so, even when I'm not sharing them. And I take a lot of pictures even if I have no intention of posting them ever, because it feels nice to capture a moment in time and to be able to go back and look at it later and realize how you were feeling, remember what that moment felt like, smelled like, sounded like. And then you get to feel connected to your past self. Take more pictures. Take pictures of your friends while they're laughing, little candids, and never show them. Just hold them close to your heart for yourself. Take a picture of your lunch that you liked. Doesn't matter. Like, again, you don't have to post these things. Take pictures of things that make you happy. Take pictures of things that feel important. Take a picture of yourself after you're finished crying. Take a picture of a really beautiful looking leaf on the ground. Why? Because life is full of meaningful moments and documenting that feels special. You can even start a little like simplified version of a digital scrapbook. This is really fun. Take a picture and put it into your notes app. You can import photos in the notes app. Write a little caption or write a tiny little entry that just explains what the picture is about. Could be as simple as, I was walking home from work today and I saw this really cool leaf. It can be as simple as that. Start this little digital scrapbook and then when you feel down, you can go through and look through it and you can realize how many little things are worth remembering. Another thing you can do if you work from home is put on a real outfit. I never, ever, ever used to do this, especially when I was still working my nine to five, because when I was working that job, it was for the government. So all of our meetings weren't 
they didn't have video because our laptops weren't allowed camera access because of the nature of the things we were working on. So during COVID, like during 2020 and 2021, I never had a single video conference call ever. It wasn't allowed. And so I never got ready. There were a lot of days where I just never even changed out of my pajamas. I would work all day in the exact same state that I woke up. I'd like brush my teeth and wash my face, but I wouldn't brush my hair or put on a real outfit because I was depressed. And at night, after I was done working, I would take a shower and put on my next set of comfy oversized loungewear and I'd wear that to bed and that's what I would work in the next day. This was not good for me. And then I started working for myself and because I was working for myself, I kind of got to dictate my own rules for myself and I didn't really change then either. I would only put on a real outfit if I was filming or if I was leaving the house and if I was just having more of an admin day, I just wouldn't change. And I know a lot of people who work from home who struggle with the same thing. They just don't put on an outfit. It doesn't have to be like a fit. It can be as simple as putting on like a sports bra and leggings. It doesn't have to be jeans and a nice top and like heels and your makeup done. It doesn't have to be all that. But it just puts you in a different frame of mind to wake up and put on something that you feel put together in. I frequently will at this point just put on my softest pair of leggings and a sweatshirt I feel cute in. And that's what I will, you know, work in all day unless I have to, you know, go leave the house or something like that. It just switches your frame of mind. So that one's more for work from home girls, but it's a tip I've seen a lot of people talk about because I think it's really widely applicable in this work from home generation. Put on a different outfit, a real outfit, whatever you need to do. There are days where I put on jeans to sit down at my computer because jeans are not comfortable to sit down in for long periods of time. And because they're not comfortable, I can't relax too much and get distracted because I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And that feeling of being uncomfortable forces me to be productive because I want to finish what I'm doing so I can take my jeans off or I can stand up. Again, I don't know how much sense that makes. That's a little bit of girl math logic, but it works for me. So I'm going to keep doing it. The next one, do it the long way. This plays into living slowly. Take the long way. I do this with my morning matcha routine. It's very easy to buy pre-made matcha. There are faster ways to make matcha than whisking by hand. I have a milk frother and every time I post my matcha routine on Instagram, people are like, why don't you just put the matcha powder in the milk frother and then it will do it for you. That's not the point. The point is that I get my matcha, I put it into my little bowl, I take the bamboo whisk, I whisk it by hand myself, I froth the milk separately and then I assemble everything together and it takes longer and that's the point because again, it forces me to be mindful and in the present moment and it feels luxurious to take the long way when you're doing something nice for yourself. So do something the long way. Maybe that means instead of running to go pick up coffee out on your way out the door, taking some time to assemble it at home. Maybe you get like one nice coffee syrup and an ice cube mold tray in a funny shape and every day you make your own coffee and you do it mindfully You do it slowly and with the intention that this is five minutes out of your day that you're spending on yourself to make yourself feel good and to give yourself something nice and delicious and see if that doesn't make you feel good. I think it will. Also, curated Spotify playlists and Pinterest mood boards feel special. 
because it's personalizing something specifically for your explicit enjoyment. I love to make Spotify playlists for extremely specific moods or situations that I'm in because every time I hear a song come on, I'm like, that is so perfect for what I'm feeling right now. And of course it is because I'm the one who made the playlist, but it feels like a little present to yourself anyway. And mood boards are nice because you can use them to visualize the life that you want. Or you can just enjoy looking at pretty pictures. I have entire boards on Pinterest full of things that I just think are pretty to look at. And I will open my app and scroll through those boards and look at the pretty pictures and just remember that life is beautiful. And I think that's what romanticizing your life is all about, really. You can drink tea. You can take baths. You can get really into the seasons and decorate your house for the seasons. The Target $1 section pops off every single time. Get, you know, a $1 little felted pumpkin and a $3 wooden birdhouse with paint set and have yourself a little fall night. Like, I think getting into the seasons not only, again, connects you to the natural world, connects you to that feeling of life being cyclical, but also just feels fun and, like, There's no reason why as we get older, life has to stop feeling fun and special. When I was in college and I was living with a bunch of my girlfriends, we would go to the Target $1 section with the change of seasons and get a couple things. Everyone would spend like five bucks and then we would all decorate the house together. And it felt so special. And in the years after I graduated, I fell off of doing that a little bit because it didn't feel as fun to do it by myself. But now I do it again because it is fun to do things by myself and I deserve it. I deserve to be nice to myself. You can also get really into eating seasonal produce. I think that's a fun way to romanticize your life. And also taking pride in your outfits every season in building outfits that fit the weather, fit your mood, really summarize and encapsulate your aesthetic and that make you feel so you. Okay, I'm going to do one more and this I think is saving the biggest one for last. This is so important, you guys. You want to know the key to romanticizing your life? Stop trying to be cool. Stop it. Knock it off. Embrace being uncool and cringe. I'm serious. Your fear of looking cringe or looking uncool is holding you back from having a good time on this planet. Be cringy. You can have fun doing anything if you're with the right people or you have the right mindset. I saw this comment section on TikTok recently where this girl was saying that bowling was cringe and she did not want to go on a bowling night with her friends because that was so lame. And in my head, I'm just like, okay, but if you could get past that fear of something being lame, if you could get past that fear of doing something that you think isn't cool, you could have such a good time. Are you kidding me? Going to a bowling alley with your friends where everyone probably sucks at bowling. That sounds like a great time. Stop being afraid to laugh loudly in public. Stop being afraid to take up space somewhere. Stop being afraid to express your feelings authentically and rawly because you think it's cringy. It's not. Stop being afraid to do things that actually make you happy because you're worried other people won't think it's cool. That is so embarrassing. Like holding yourself back from something that could honestly make you happy because you think other people are going to think it's cringe that is what is truly embarrassing. Your fear of looking cringe is stopping you from posting that first TikTok. Like if you want to be a content creator and you're worried that other people in your life are going to judge you or laugh behind your back because they're not going to understand that in order to be good at anything, you have to start by taking the first step. 
you're holding yourself back. I get this DM all the time, specifically about content creation, because that's obviously what I do. But people are like, I really want to start a fitness Instagram account. I really want to post my first outfit video on TikTok, but I'm worried that people I know are going to laugh at me. I'm like, so what? This could be the start of changing your life forever. Like, you don't know. I had no idea when I posted my first TikTok that it was going to become like something viable for me. I had no idea. People definitely did laugh at me. People made fun of me behind my back. Who's laughing now? I've even had people say they're worried to start that they have a craft, you know, they have a skill, they want to start an Etsy account or a Fiverr account, they want to start selling something that they've made. And they're worried, they're like, what if it doesn't do well? What if it's not good? What if people laugh at me? Stop being afraid of it. Stop being afraid of other people thinking something you're doing isn't cool. You could be on the precipice of changing your entire life and you're not going to do it because you're worried other people are going to laugh at you. Like what? Everyone who has ever achieved something actually cool has had to take that first step, has had to prove themselves to people who don't believe in them. Everyone who has ever built something has had to deal with the feeling of it not being good enough the feeling of embarrassment, that it's not getting enough attention, maybe the worry that no one is going to care about it. Everybody has to start somewhere. Your fear of looking cringe is holding you back. It's keeping you in a box, stop being afraid of it. And I'm not even talking about like just a business side of things. That's one part of it for sure. But just in terms of having fun, like stop being afraid to tell your friends you love them. Stop being afraid to wear an outfit you really think is cool because you worry that people in your hometown aren't going to get it. It's not about them. It's about you living your life to the fullest and living life authentically in a way that brings you true joy. That is cool. That is actually admirable. And again, it's you taking control of your life and doing things that make every single day feel special. So I really want everyone listening to this to stop being afraid of being cringe, stop trying to be cool, and just do whatever the fuck makes you happy. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Prologues. I hope that you found these tips helpful, and I really hope that some of you start implementing them in your day-to-day life, because romanticizing my life has genuinely changed it for the better, and I want every single person listening to feel empowered to take control of their own happiness, even in a small way, and really go for it, really embrace it. I want everyone listening to feel empowered to be grateful, to feel empowered to spend real time on yourself and actually do things that make you happy no matter what it looks like to other people. I want everyone to feel confident enough to know that you deserve to romanticize your life. You deserve to be happy. You deserve nice things to happen to you. You deserve to take care of yourself. You deserve to have joy. I think romanticizing my life has genuinely improved my day-to-day outlook so much. I know I've said a couple times I'm going through a rough patch right now, and that happens. This isn't a cure-all or a fix-all, but it's a very positive coping strategy, or at least I found that to be the case in my life. So I really encourage everyone to do it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Video is coming really, really soon. I thought it would be coming this week and then I realized I needed to replace my desk chair because it squeaks too much and I can't make it stop. And I also had to reconfigure my entire office space in the second bedroom to support like a video friendly background. So video is coming really, really soon. 
and I will update you guys when that is available. If you've been enjoying prologues, please give me a five-star review wherever you listen to the show. It helps the show out a lot, and I can't thank everyone who's already done so enough. Like, it really means a lot to me. It feels so special to me whenever I see that someone else has reviewed it. So thank you guys. If you have any submissions for upcoming episode ideas or for upcoming Hey Mary episodes, which are my advice segment, you can email the prologues podcast at gmail.com. Okay, that felt very businessy. That felt like the ending of an infomercial. I just wanted to remember like everything I needed to say. Love you guys so much. I can't wait to speak to you next week. And I'm really excited for everything coming this fall. So I hope I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.